no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. Oh! One more time. Oh! One more time. Welcome to the Barry Sanchez. On our 200th episode, we recap the Bears' 27 to 17 loss to the Bucks and much, much more. What's good, Perez? Hey, Dub, I am, man. Listen, awful game, but I got a glass of champagne over here, man, because salute to you and I. I told y'all, audience, win or lose, me and A Dub will have a good time over here on this show. And so, salute to you, sir, as I take a sip of this champagne. <laughs> yes, sir. Salute, Mr. 200. Man, it's a joy, man, to be able to make it this far. And um, I appreciate the milestone, bro. And it's a pleasure doing this with you, man. Hey, listen, I'm just going to tell you this, A-Dub. This show, it, it means it means the world to me. I um, I take pride in the work that you and I do. I was listening to our first episode, Dub, and I was like, who are these guys? I mean, dude, the, the, the progression that we made with this show. We always had the chemistry. But I think the production level, the attention to detail, just us coming here every week and just giving the audience everything we got. Man, brother, I'm so proud to be doing this with you, man, and audience. I just appreciate you guys for listening to this show, for supporting this show, for sharing this show with people. This is something that A-Dub and I, we take pride in, and we know that this show will live on. One day, A-Dub and I are going to be here, but this will be something, man, that the people that come behind us, they can be proud of. They can hear our voices talk about our beloved Chicago Bears. But I don't take this shit for granted. And I'm going to have another sip of this champagne because, God damn it, we deserve it. Yes, sir. And, man, you talked about the fan base who rock with us, bro. I really do appreciate them listening in, tuning in. You're definitely spot on, Perez. You and I take this very serious this year. I episode. I owe Mr. Nate Davis an apology. Now, I was getting some jokes off on the show at his expense. And that's why sometimes in life, we need to kind of know a situation all the way through before we comment on it. And so Nate Davis was dealing with some things in his personal life. Sickness in the family, which ultimately ended in someone dying. And in moments like that, though, family is more important than everything. But especially football, like I said on Twitter, Many, many apologies to Nate Davis. You never know what somebody is going through. And while I was trying to get jokes off, family and death and people being sick, no joke matter. So I will be man enough on this show to say I humbly apologize for the jokes. And I hope that everything is going well with Nate Davis. The jokes, I co-sign them. You're right, Perez. Having the death in your family, man, is a huge ordeal. It affects us all differently. But a lot of us are hurt when we lose a family member, man. And sometimes you can't even function like you want to as far as playing sports or just going to work in your dating life, man. That's a tough thing to do. So to Nate Davis, I do apologize to him as well. I do hope that everything goes well with him and his family. They able to get through this year, but I know it's going to be a tough task ahead of them. I mean, you and I, we've recently both, you know, have experienced loss. And so, yeah, that's nothing we take lightly here, man. So at the end of the day, I hope he's good and Let's get into some football talk now. Sir. Chase Claypool, 
I took up for this man over the course of the summer. A lot of the fan base, they had problems with my man modeling, the outfits he was wearing. I didn't care about that. Because what did I say, Joe? I said, when the season start, as long as this man's ready to play, I don't give a shit what he's wearing, right? Well, we knew what happened week one. His teammates were criticizing him. Matt Eberflus came at him. The front office came at him. And Ada, entering this week two game, I was really surprised that he was active. Now, in the game today, he scored a touchdown and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, cool. But for me, as a football coach, I feel like Matt Eberflus missed an opportunity to send a message to this entire locker room. How can you excuse a player that was out there loafing? Your whole hits principle, it, it goes against that whole ideology. And you allow a player to openly not fucking care, to openly not give maximum effort, and you allow him to play the following week. Ada, what was your thoughts on that one? Because for me, it did not sit well with me. I was shocked. And to see that he decided to let Claypool play, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What message are you, again, like you said, Press, sending to the rest of the unit, the rest of the team, and how they feel about what they can get away with if they were to be lackadaisical, if they were to perform like that, you know, on any given week. So you look at Eberflus and say, hey, are you going to, again, let other players get away with that and get them a second chance? How do you plan on holding players accountable for their actions on the field or for that lack of performance? Yeah, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't like it, man. I think that you got to have leadership. You have to have accountability. And I think, like I said, as a football team, there's certain cultures that don't put up with that shit. New England, you think Bill Belichick's going to put up with his players loafing? And that he will cut your ass for less. I think back to the Dallas Cowboys back in the, in, in the day when you and I were kids. Jimmy Johnson would find and cut somebody in a heartbeat. I know we talking about old school shit, but shit, Matt Eberflus came in here talking all that good shit. And we had a player. I watched that. I rewatched that Packers game, A-Dub, and I'm like, bro, this shit was worse the second time I saw it than when we watched it live. I'm like, what in the fuck is this? And this guy's active today? I don't care how much talent you got. Bro, what kind of effort is that? That's piss poor effort. There's fucking fans that spend hard-earned money to come watch you fucking play. There's fans that spend their hard-earned money to buy your jersey. And that's the type of effort that you put up in the city of fucking Chicago? No, bro, that ain't good enough. I'm sorry, Matt Eberflus, you missed the fucking, you missed the memo on this one, buddy. <laughs> I, I swear to God, bro. I see people with the sacrifice in this fucking city, man. There's so much going on in this city right now. And you got a guy that's putting on that uniform. That uniform should mean something when you put that shit on. Walter Payton played in that fucking uniform. Walter Payton never in his fucking life was on that field loafing. There was a standard. What happened to the standard? See, before we get into this matchup against the fucking Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's what I want to talk about. What happened to the standard? All we know now, A-Dub, is loss after loss after loss. The fan base pissed off with the coordinator. Turn it on Justin Fields, right? We'll get into that. There's so much for us to unpack on this show, and we're going to get into it. Because they end up going into this matchup against the Bucs. You and I both said, hey, the Bucs will probably win this ball game. We both said it's probably going to be an ugly game. And it was. I made a bold prediction, and I said, Baker Mayfield's going through two picks. He did not. Because guess what? 
We didn't get not a single sack on Baker Mayfield in this ballgame. Not one. How does that happen? Matt Eberfuss, you was calling the defense today because Alan Williams was out. No sacks? What's up, Flutes? See, this whole coaching staff, you ask me, needs to fucking get let go. Luke Getze, I'm not even going to fucking even give him the satisfaction of bringing his name up on this show. I'm going to call him that dude. <laughs> now, that dude over there that's calling the plays, see, everybody's really quick to come after Justin. And, and listen, Justin's got to be better. But you cannot continue to put somebody in a bad position to expect for them to succeed. That dude, I don't know what he's doing. But it's off. And when you talk about the way this team has performed, you talk about accountability, definitely a huge problem. You talk about the level of play without getting any sacks, without even creating any turnovers. That's tough, man, when you go against the Bucs and you don't force Baker Mayfield into throwing an interception. You don't even put any hits on the guy enough. We had a couple players to get close to him, but this team to be a little bit better. But to the point, so was it enough to get a victory? Absolutely not. There's just so much going on wrong with this team, and it's frustrating. And you hit it on the head. This date backs all the way to from last season. We're still losing. We're still losing with the lack of ability of these players to perform at a high level and the inability of our coaching staff to get this team to operate effectively. So it's a lot of problems going on with this team right now, Perez, and this may be a tough season to watch. 12 consecutive losses. And – Going into this season, A-Dub, I had hope. I looked at what we did on defense. I looked at the additions we made on offense. We were thinking that they were going to be putting a game plan around Justin Fields that was going to maximize his skill set. I had the audacity to be optimistic for this season and thinking, hey, we might be a nine-win ball club. But after the first two weeks of the season, I'm like, what is this shit? This is demoralizing, bro. The Packers lost. That was already his own beast. But then today's game, even though we only lose by 10 points, I'm sitting there dubbing the whole time. I'm like, this is a shit show. Like, what is going on here? What happened to all the optimism? What happened to all the stuff that we saw during training camp? What, what's going on? Because i tell you one thing. Justin Fields has regressed. That dude has one job, and that job is to get the most out of number one. And they are not doing that right now, Doug. They are not doing that. They are not putting this kid in position to succeed. Justin is not doing a good enough job with working through his progressions and throwing the fucking football to people that are open. There were several times in this ball game. I bought his multiple players that are open. Justin, let it loose. I don't know if they're coaching him not to make mistakes. I don't know if they're trying to coach the aggressiveness out of him. But fuck that. This ain't the same player that I watched on film at Ohio State. Justin used to let that bitch rip. He looks hesitant out there. And that is not a recipe for success in this damn NFL. He looks like a shell of himself out there. And I'm sorry. We're getting close to the point of being known as a place that kills quarterbacks. We're getting very close to that. When you talk about Justin Fields and his play, you're right, bro. It does feel like Justin Fields has regressed. And mainly because you hit it right on the head, putting Justin Fields in position to be effective. Last year, we saw Justin Fields do a lot of good work, bro, getting out there, using his mobility, and making things happen. And now this season, these first couple games, they are making this guy a pure 
pocket passer. Yes. That is not who Justin Fields is. Even if even if he has grown some in that area, Press, that's still not his game. Let the guy still do what he does best. Well, we took well, that away. Well, Adam, I'll say this. I'll push back on you quickly, but I get your general point. I think he could be a pocket passer, but just because you're a pocket passer don't mean that you take away what the guy does really well. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I get your point you're making. Why yeah. is Justin Fields not being that weapon that we saw last season? And you hit a point about him being, like, timid. He looks timid, like he's indecisive as yes. to what he want to do. That's all because they want to do everything within the pocket. Look, let the guy out. Let him roll out. Let him use his legs. As a football player, what made him a guy that made us all believe that, hey, he's going to be successful down the road. We all of a sudden is doing something totally different. We're looking out for a our wide receivers. We're looking out for everybody except Justin Fields at this point. And I'm like, well, how can he be successful if we're worried about, hey, how many touches DJ Moore going to get? How many touches is Money Moon going to get? Claypool, the running, the running backs, how many opportunities they're going to get? It becomes now we're talking about everything else except our quarterback. So we got to realize what got us in position here to want to get those weapons. It was Justin Fields' play last year, Perez. All of the great things he did with his legs, big plays he made happen downfield. He done a lot of great work. And now all of a sudden, he doesn't even look like that Justin Fields of last year. No, he doesn't. We have done the impressive job of looking worse than we looked last year. And last year was fucking awful, right? Right. However, I'm going to say this point to what you were saying about Justin. Late in that game, Justin had the ball in his hands with a chance to win this ball game. Despite how demoralizing this game was, and parts of this game we were all kind of, especially in that first half, where most of us were like, what the fuck's going on? Point example about why I think that dude should be fired. That fucking play call of throwing a screen pass in the middle of the fucking field to Cleo Herbert that gets picked off. First of all, I'm sorry, that was a hell of a play by Shaq Barrett. Hats off to him. But that dude, you cannot call plays like that, man. What did I say last week about those fucking screen plays? Fuck those screen passes. And I hate the screen pass over the middle. That play, in my opinion, was very predictable. You can see the formation. The defense was able to read it. They right just there. read it the play before. <laughs> right, right. If you're going to continue throwing these screen passes like this here, no defense is going to get tricked. They on to you. It just shocked me that Luke decided to run that particular play. Shit, don't shock me. I've been telling you about this man for a year. You just didn't want to know, Doug. You didn't want to know. <laughs> I've been telling you about this guy, bro. I'm like, this guy is awful. He really is. But I'm not taking away blame away from Justin because he's got to be better too. But come on, man. What's up with these play calls? Man, yeah. it's awful. The defense is awful. Injuries. Yeah, Bojack and Jaquan Briscoe going down in this ballgame. We're talking about key players on this team. I mean, you lose a secondary like that, you you and I talk a lot about Bojack, again, as I said before last season, about what he did. You and I were high on Jaquan Briscoe, you know. And to lose your safeties, who you know can make an impact on the game, that's tough because you know Baker Mayfield, he wants to throw the rock. You know that already, Perez. You want to get rid of got a couple of good wide receivers out there with Evans and Godwin. You know you want to throw the football. So, But we don't have those secondary players on our team. When you lose those guys, it's tough, man. Now, before we dig into the defense, I, I wanted to 
Trey felt a little positive, right? Because I don't want to just be killing them. Because I thought that that opening drive, Dub, I thought, hey, that was really nice. And I'm like, where has that been? Capped off by a touchdown from Justin Fields to DJ Moore. We've all talked about that chemistry between these two. We finally got to see it in a live ball game. Now, Dub, what I do want to do is I want to make sure that we are highlighting some positives. Because I thought if we got off to a good start, that opening drive, six-place, 75-yard drive, and we finally got to see the Justin Fields and DJ Moore connection that we talked about a lot during training camp. We got to see it in a real live game. DJ Moore has 64 yards on that drive. I mean, for the rest of the game, he finished with 104, and I'm like, why well, we stop going to him? But however, DJ Moore accounted for 64 of those 75 yards, and then it was capped off by Justin Score. Now, that drive right there, Dub, those were some positives. Don't, that was the stuff right there. I'm like, yeah, dude, that, those are, that's how you want to call the game. Yeah, when you saw that happen on that first drive, you're thinking that, this is going to continue all day because we found something, right? <laughs> like, hey, they cannot stop DJ Moore. And DJ Moore's impact on this game thus far is huge because guess what? It was able to open up some things in the run game, right? You saw you on the head. So the fuel was able to escape out there, roll out, run for a couple yards for a touchdown, right? This is what you want to see. This is what you were hoping to see. But to your point, we went all the way into the fourth quarter to decide to get DJ Moore back in the game again. And I'm like, you cannot go up a whole game like that without utilizing that type of weapon, that type of asset on your team. That is on uh, Luke Getzey. He has to be better in that situation. It was criminal, man. We've seen a lot of it. I mean, that's why I did want to at least salute them on that, but it was just too many ups and downs for me on the day. Now, I talked about Justin Fields and Chase Claypool. They connected on a on a 20-yard touchdown. That was nice. But we can't forget about the two picks that Justin threw in this game, especially that pick six. Second week in a row, he started pick six, Doug. People look at the score who don't watch the game like, oh, 27 to 17. They think, all oh, this just came from, you know, the defense giving up all these points. But a pick six, you had that on that, bro. You take that away. This is a close game. You know, the Bears are 20 to 17. The Bears have a chance to, you know, win this football game. But that pick six really hurt, man, because it definitely came at a critical moment of the game. And when you're trying to come down and score and put yourself in a situation where you're ahead or tie in the game, and you happens to give up a touchdown, a pick six, that hurts, man. And I'll tell you right there, that was the dagger. We've been talking about this since the season started up again. Our offensive line, they continue to struggle. Justin was sacked six times a day, but some of that was Justin holding on to the football. But however... He was constantly under duress. There's not a lot of quarterbacks that are going to succeed in a situation where you have bad play calling, bad offensive line play. It's a tough situation. It's not a formula for success. And also, you're starting to see Justin not having that confidence. Where's the swagger that we used to always talk about with Justin? I'm not seeing that right now. When you see him at the podium, he looked like a fucking defeated man. That ain't the Justin Fields that we know. And when you're losing prayers and you're losing this much, it starts to weigh in on you, right? And you start to see it, like you say, at a podium or even on the field. You see him on the field, you're like, hey, Justin, when are you going to step up, be the leader of the team, and hey, bring this team together? But it seems like he's just, you know, in his own element trying to figure out how the hell do I get a victory here because we haven't lost so many games as is. 
So he's trying to figure everything out, Perez, and trying to process everything, including his own play. And that's a lot for a quarterback to do. But at the end of the day, he has to be the one to take the leadership role. And right now, we're just not even seeing it. No, and that's why I said on the uh, episode last week, I'm like, where are the leaders? I need somebody to step up. I need somebody to take ownership of this club. You know, a leader would have stepped up to Chase Claypool in that moment and said something. I know DJ Moore and them said that they talked to him, but no. Like, we, if that would have been other football teams in the past, it would have been a little bit of a different reaction on that sideline. You can't have a player out there playing against their biggest rival and out there loafing. I'm, I'm over that shit, but I'm just, well, I'm not over it, but I'm off it for right now. Our defense. Now, I said I wanted to drill into that a little bit more. We continue to struggle. Matty Mafusa is called the defense. He's supposed to be that defensive guru. You remember what he did with the Colts? Well, guess what? That shit ain't work here because <laughs> the Bucks did whatever they wanted to. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, A-Dub, they got whatever they want. Them dudes was fucking running down the field. Mike Evans had that 70-yarder. I was like, damn, is anybody going to cover this, man? What we doing? I was so disappointed in our secondary. And you're right. Godwin making big plays. Evans making big plays. I mean, I saw him put off a little bit on Tyree Stevenson to get he a did. catch. I'm like, it. and the thing is, it was more one of those Jordan moves, right? When Jordan pushed by Russell to hit that game winner, it was a penalty that they could have called. But you know what? I'm glad they didn't call it because Tyree Stevenson didn't play well at all, in my opinion. But I'm like, dude, you got to play better defense like that, you know, on, on those type of wide receivers like the Evans and the guy one. And you giving up too much. Gave up too much ground, bro. Well, what did I say to the audience on the preview pod? I said, with the Kyler Gordon injury, it was going to be very prudent for Tyreek Stevenson to step up his game. And we know he's a rookie, so I'm not going to sit up here and come after him too hard. But, man, you got to grow up quick, man. This is the NFL, and you see <laughs> that your defense right now is in a situation where you don't have the benefit of being able to say, oh, I'm just a rookie. This is my second game in the, in the league. Eh. That rookie shit going out the window, man. They expect you to grow up fast. And uh, when you go out there and play, you got to play your game. And what we've seen from Tyree Stevenson thus far, we saw a guy that was being physical, who played hard. We also saw a guy who made mistakes as well, Chris. But we did see the effort, the maximum effort. In this particular game here, I didn't see that same type of player, you know, that competes. So for me, it's like you're not the same guy who we've seen thus far. But you're right. When we're shorthanded, we need you to be even more, you know, aggressive, a little bit tougher than what you, the way you play today against two big-time wide receivers. That's what you expect him to rise to the occasion in those moments, you know. And so, you know, he he's only going to learn from it. But, shit, you got another test coming up next week. And that's the thing. <laughs> in the NFL, shit, it don't stop. Every <laughs> week somebody coming in here to bust your ass. Right. And then with you being a rookie, you know they ain't going to target you. So you got a target in your back already, man. So you got to be prepared for that all season. Now, I would say, man, when I saw the Bojack went out with that foot injury, that was concerning because I think that's the same foot that he had the season in an operational. And so that's one of those ones that I'm going to really be kind of keeping my eye on. I believe with Jaquan Brisker, his wasn't anything related to his previous injury. They said it was heat-related. Yeah. But, but with Eddie, I'm really concerned about that one. I hate to hear about team players having those nagging injuries or recovering from a certain injury, and then you start to see that same type of injury creep in again. So, yeah, when you think about it long-term, it's like, hey, how bad is that foot going to be for you down the road? You're having issues with it now. 
So it seems like it's, it's going to be a, what, a whole two-year thing with that foot, maybe. Who knows? But you wonder, man, when it comes down to Bojack, his health. And that's going to be a big factor, bro. So, A-Dub, man, before we get into, like, giving out gay balls and, and ending the show on some positive vibes, I wanted to get your thoughts on some, some things that were sent over to us by some of our listeners. The first piece of business, and this is probably not going to surprise you, but one of our listeners, Jacob, said, hey, guys, is it too early? to be concerned about Justin Fields. No, it ain't too early to be concerned, bro. It's not too early to be. Because how many weeks you want to go by to not be concerned, right? And it's the same old crap, right? You got to be concerned now and say, look, we don't see the type of growth we need. Or if we don't have the OC who's willing to help this guy out, we got a problem with our hands for his. And if we're looking for a traditional type of quarterback, we have to start to put that back in, in our minds at this point to see what we want to do in the near future because right now the clock has already started and it's ticking. This is the thing, man. Um, Ryan Poles did not draft Justin Fields. He owes Justin Fields nothing. And so this year right here is the evaluation year for Ryan Poles. And when you look at the 2024 draft, there's some intriguing names. But however, yep. the one thing that I want to say is just because we go, may go and draft another high-profile quarterback, don't mean that they're going to be successful. See, the problem is, is that you can't just keep going and saying, oh, bitch, we're going to get this guy. He's going to be the solution. Oh, bitch, Phil. Oh, we're going to get Justin Fields. Now we're over here looking at Justin Fields sideways. you got to look at the whole entirety of the franchise, the system, the parts around the player. There's so many different things right now that I think that are going against Justin Fields. You yeah. and I keep talking about it. Luke Yetzi, or that dude, <laughs> he needs to open up more plays on the perimeter so Justin Fields has the option. If it's not there for a passing standpoint, he can take off a run. You cannot have a dynamic weapon like that, as I said earlier, and put handcuffs on. I'm sorry. It's criminal. You got the guy thinking when he should just be out there reacting and making shit happen. So, Jacob, in my opinion, it's not too early. But I will say I do have a lot of concerns with Justin. I do. Because he looks shaken. And he doesn't seem to be playing with that swagger and that confidence that we saw him play with last year. Even though we only won three games. We saw enough of Justin to say, you know what? There's some potential here for him in year three. When year three came along, and we're all saying, hey, Justin's got to make that next transition to being a pure passer. And just we're just not seeing enough of that right now. So not too early, but I'm not giving up on the kid. The kid's got a lot of talent. I want that dude to self-evaluate and put him in better positions. I want Justin to lock in on some film and figure out what he needs to do to pull the trigger on some of those throws and stop hesitating. See, this thing for me, when I look at Justin Fields, it's a collective. It ain't just him. There's a lot of pieces to the equation. So it ain't too early, but I am not with the fan bases over here saying that Justin's not that dude. We don't know yet. We really don't. The one thing you don't want to do is give up on Justin Fields too soon. The guy has a lot of good tools in him, Perez. You and I already talked about that already. But the point is, unlocking all that. We've even seen him, in my opinion, make some improvements when you talk about being a pocket passer. But the thing is, you got to let the guy put it all together and still be himself. Right now, we don't see that, of course. That's more reason of concern. But at the end of the day, man, the offensive coordinator got to find a way to unlock Justin Fields and let him be who he is. 
The second question that we got from Melissa Billy, he said, are you guys happy that they're finally utilizing DJ Moore in the offense? I'm satisfied to a certain extent because I feel like even though we utilize him today, we could have utilized him a lot more. And I think if you're going to talk about utilizing that type of asset, you got to use them every quarter. You can't take plays off and say, okay, we're going to do something else. You got to always have this guy, DJ Moore, somewhere involved. Because as you look at our scoring opportunities, Perez, we got that's a couple of touchdowns. He played a big part in that. DJ Moore was part of the offense. So you cannot abandon this type of weapon on your team. So I'm glad they utilized him more, but we could utilize him more than what we did already in, in this game. So I think that the Bears are moving the right direction. They got to continue to use this, this guy a lot more in the next game. I think so, too, because every time that Moore touched the ball, something good happened. Now, we know that Darnell Moody got knocked out of this ball game, so it left DJ Moore out there by himself. But like I said, when you have both of those guys out there healthy, I think the passing offense will be better. But, you know, it was just a situation where you had no Moody. DJ Moore was out there doing it on his own, and I thought that they could have targeted him more. So I think – Billy, while I do like the fact that he was utilized more, I still think that there's a lot more they could do with DJ Moore. And I think we may see Luke do more with DJ Moore next game. I mean, he's going to have to anyway. But, yeah, I like so far what I, what I saw in this particular game. Last question before we get into game, boss. And this one comes off from Jason. And Jason was like, hey, I feel like the defense was a little bit more improved than it was last week with Matt Eberflus calling the plays. What do you guys think? I thought the defense was a little more improved, Press. I did see some blitzes from Eberflus. Um, I saw him try to give um, the Bucks some different looks, something that we didn't do last week. So I, I will say, you know, uh, we were able to get home a little bit on uh, Mayfield. We didn't put him down, of course, but we were able to get home, you know, on some of those plays. So I did see a, a little bit more of aggressiveness from the defense and trying to apply pressure on Baker Mayfield. It's just that Baker Mayfield did a Solid job of utilizing his legs, right, his mobility to make some things happen. But, yeah, I, I will say that I thought the defense played well, even being shorthanded, right, without our players, you know, in the secondary, I thought they came to play. This is the thing. I feel like how far the standard has dropped. You got to remember who we are in this town. And, and the Bears' defense, when you think about historically what that means, and even as recent as 2018, to me, the Bears' defense today wasn't the biggest problem but it's still a fucking problem. So in my opinion, with Matt Eberflus, yeah, things probably did get a little bit better. He was trying to create a little pressure, but they still didn't get home. It was that bid but don't break bullshit, but it kept <laughs> the offense in the game. So in my opinion, yeah. I think, Jason, it's a fair question. In my opinion, though, I'm not going to sit over here and applaud what I saw from this team at all, either side of the ball. I thought that we should have been able to have given Baker Mayfield other different things to look at. And I think that we got to improve this pass rush. We have to. This was a problem for us last year, and it's continuing to be a problem. Zero sacks today. I'm sorry. I can't get a defense kudos, and you can't get after the fucking quarterback. You're not creating any turnovers. What are you doing? Yeah, and we had an opportunity to get a couple of turnovers in this game, Perez. I thought Japan Brisket had an interception in the bag, but he dropped the pass. Uh, I think Jalen Johnson... Um, knocked the ball out of one of the players' hand where it was a fumble, and we didn't recover. Mayfield recovered that. But I'm like, hey, those are the type of turnovers we just got to get. And it could have been two that could have put us in a, 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 in a position to score some points. But you're right. 
on the stat sheet. We didn't get it. So, therefore, it's not a turnover. But the thing is, we got to make those type of plays happen. All right. Game ball time. Who's getting your offensive game ball, Doug? DJ Moore. Go, DJ. <laughs> that's my DJ. And um, that skill set that he has, man, you can see a big difference with this team when he's involved. And that's a stop in the face to, again, you and I talked about already, our offensive coordinator saying, look, man, you got to utilize that at all costs. If you want to get a chance to score, you want to get a chance to put points on the board, he must be involved. And I think at this point, we are seeing his value, and we appreciate that. But one thing we do like as well is the chemistry he has with Justin Fields, and we're glad to see that's growing at this point. We want to continue to see it evolve. No, I mean, listen, we've already talked about it enough on the show with DJ Moore. It, it's simple, right? Like I said last week, it's checkers. It ain't chess. Right. Let this guy do what he does best. Put the football in his hands. Watch him cook. That's it. <laughs> He's getting open. Give him the football. Let the guy feast. Let's get it. All right, my offensive game ball is going to my boy, Roshan Johnson. So going into this matchup, when I saw that Dante Foreman was a healthy scratch, I wasn't surprised. Because what have I been talking to the fan base about all summer with Roshan Johnson? I said, he's coming. You know, like your boy Dion in Colorado, when they were <laughs> telling everybody they was coming? Well, I was right. telling y'all that Roshan Johnson was coming. I did not expect for him to be a third or fourth stringer for very long. He's already getting second straight reps, hey, Dub. Now, we know Kalor Herbert is still the lead back. But when they gave the ball to Roshan Johnson, he continued to make good things happen. Four carries, 32 yards. That's an eight-yard per carry average, hey, Dub. Two catches, 10 yards. Not getting all into the stat part of it. As the season progresses, expect to see him with the football in his hands more and more. Expect for him to see the ball in his hands a lot more. Eight yards per carry? Come on, man. Those are crazy numbers. And only four carries. He's making the most of his limited opportunities. I thought he should have got more carries than four, you know? I mean, player like him, he's showing us what he can do, man, with the ball in his hands. And um, I like the way he runs you, and I talk highly of him. He deserves more snaps, man. And I want to see him get on that field a lot more, bro. So he just got that kind of time level that can make a huge difference. And to see him move up, you know, to get this many snaps as he as he's getting, he's earned them, man. And I just want to see this guy continue to get more and more reps. So on defense, and it's kind of like a, this is a weird one. So I'm going to give it to Rasheed Green. <laughs> now, this is a guy that, you know, I've had some words about over the course of the summer. I was surprised that he made the team. But, hey, he blocked a field goal today. Yeah. And I'm like, it's about time somebody outside of Cairo Santos does something on special teams. Now, too bad the offense couldn't do shit with that opportunity. <laughs> Three and fucking out. But anyway, Rasheed Green, he got my game ball for week two. I like that one you picked right there, Rasheed Green, man. I like the guy. He made some big plays, man, out there. You're right. That, that block was huge in itself. Uh, put the Bears in. Good field positioning to score some points. And that's what you expect from a guy like him. He was out there also. I think he applied some pressure out there too. But yeah, man, I like what I saw for him, man. And I want him to continue to get better. For me, I thought uh, TJ Edwards played well. Um, he wasn't great, but I thought he played okay. And what I mean by that is um, he was a guy who was good at stopping the run at times. Um, he was trying to pretty much apply some pressure, but he was always somewhere near around the ball, man. I, I just saw that with him. You know, you can see his IQ. And the way he plays, you know, he's the guy that really, you know, want to make sure that he's able to out there to help his team and sort of put those, stop those runs 
And I think for him today, wasn't a great game, but it was a solid one for sure. Well, as you mentioned on the previous show, TJ Edwards always somehow finds his way around the football. That's no surprise. That's what he did for Philly. That's the type of ball player he is. I just can't wait to see what he and Edmonds will be able to do when his defense is at full strength. What they, we're not seeing what the best these guys can do. You know, they're flashing. Right. TJ Edwards, I thought, solid. With eight tackles, I think, in the game. I don't have it in front of me. I'm just, just trying to go off of kind of what I was remembering. But the, the point of the matter is here, TJ Edwards is a good fucking football player. We have good football players on this team. So for me, it's hard for me to be so critical because I'm like, dude, there's talent here. We were raving about the talent, how they infused things on offense and defense this year. So what, what's the problem? That's the thing for we do. We got to fucking figure out how to fix this thing because they're not lacking for talent on this ball club. Last year, maybe. This year, no. Nah. Talent at this year. Balls on the even flues. Allen Williams, we talk about this defense. They got to get it right, bro. All right, who's your underperformer for week two? Your bear down. Underperform for week two. And we talked about him earlier, Perez, but I still love the guy, but I'm going to call him out because I know he can be better. Tyreek Stevenson. Got to call him out, man. Um, he gave up too much today in the secondary when we need the most that we talked about earlier. But again, I just want to see those physical plays from a mostly Perez. I just didn't see enough of that at all in this game. It seemed like it was kind of non-existent. And it seemed like those wide receivers just got away with murder today. And I think for him, he's got to be better than that. Yeah, I mean, we saw this last year with Kyler Gordon. You know, rookies are going to have ebb and flow, and that's what we're seeing right now. But, I mean, this is a second-round pick. It's only his second game in the NFL, so to be expected. He had his welcome to the NFL game. Let's just be yep. honest. That's what it was. He struggled all day long, all day <laughs> long. And yes. I know it was a push-off on the Evans play. Yes, we already know that. But Evans is a, a pro bowl receiver. He's on get some. So it's just the way it is. That's the way the cookie grows. And you're right. I can see week five, six, you start to see the growth in him. But right now, he's going to take his lumps. Yeah, he's definitely taking them. <laughs> my underperformer, my bear down player for week two is Braxton Jones. A-dubs, boy. And you know, I raved about Braxton Jones last season and the fact that he, I said, hey, as a fifth rounder, he's on start. But his sophomore season... My fucking guy is not been good. <laughs> Jesus has not been good. Whether it's holding and false starts and getting bulldozed. Man, when they do film review this week, it is not going to be kind for him. He's continuing to have those same problems anchoring that we talked about last season with him. And it's causing Justin to immediately have pressure in his face. It's causing him to be pressured. It's causing Justin to be sacked. Braxton Jones just was not good at this ball game. Justin Fields wasn't good either, but I'm trying to tell you, Braxton Jones did not do him any favors. I mean, you talk about him back-to-back plays. He picks up a penalty, then right after that, bro, gives up a sack. Yep. I'm like, damn, man, how bad can it get for you right now as the left tackle? So, as I said last time, Perez, you told me you was good, Braxton Jones, and to start the season off this way, these first couple games, I'm a little disappointed for sure because we expected more out of you, you know, coming to this year. And right now, you're taking steps back, you know. I don't think I've seen as many penalties from you last season this frequently, you know. And that's a problem right there, Perez. So I'm hoping this guy can show us some good signs in the next few weeks. But right now, man, I do not like what I saw out of him, and it's very disappointing. No, I don't either. And uh, he's already been flagged six times 
That's unacceptable in only two games. If he keeps this shit up, Ryan Poles may be looking for a left tackle this offseason. Sheesh. And you're right, Chris. He put himself on notice with that, you know. It's not it's one thing to give up sacks. It's another thing to also have penalties and give up sacks, you know. It's like, man, dude, you're giving up too much ground, and this is what stagnates your offense right here. They talk about putting Justin Fields in a good position. Well, we keep getting penalties and things of this nature happening. How can Justin Fields have success, man? It's tough. So you put so much pressure on your quarterback to make plays to get you out of these type of jams, and that's a lot for Justin Fields. I think the main reason why I'm so disappointed right now is because this ball game was a must win for this Bears team. Because we got Kansas City coming next week. That ain't going to be no fucking easy game. So we potentially run the risk of starting this season 0-3. Now, I came after the coaching staff last week, and I got some more heat for them again this week. It's the coach's job to put their players in positions to succeed. You guys already heard what I had to say about that dude. He and I put Justin in that offensive position to succeed. I don't think that Luke Getze learned anything from that Packers game. To Adel's point earlier, he continues to try to force Justin to be a pocket passer. That's not what Justin Fields' skill set is. At all. The guy's play calling is suspect. And guess what? I'm just going to say it. He may be a worse play caller than Matt Nagy. Ooh. Ouch. That hurts. That hurts. To hear you say that, bro, that hurts, man. But I do understand where you're going with that. And I'm going to give you one prime example here, Perez. You saw Cole commit, and I believe Claypool, run the same damn route. Yep. How are they going to run the same route, be in the same vicinity? You expecting Justin Fields to make a great throw in that? Come on, man. But it's happened, what, two weeks in a row? And I'm like, Luke Getzey, what's up with your offense, man? You got to be better than that, man. And to your point, Perez, it's tough. It's tough to watch. It really is. But listen, I enjoy my champagne over here. <laughs> listen, man, I, I, A-Dub, I poured me up a full glass of champagne. I was drinking some Don P. Yeah, audience. Your boy what? Perez a little fucking, he a little, he a little bougie over here. Because guess what? It's our 200th. I deserve that shit. I see. You fancy, huh? <laughs> well, Adel, when, when, when I get back to Chicago, man, we we going to pull up together because we're going to have to celebrate this the right way, man. This is this is an important deal, brother. You need to take a step back and realize what this means. There's a lot of people that will start a podcast. Most of the time, they're not getting good. I'm not trying to take shots, but I'm just saying a lot of times they're not even good podcasts. So we got a podcast that I think is phenomenal. We're consistent. We execute. And it doesn't matter where we are in the world. I'm not even in Chicago right now. And we're still here on this show recording because we're doing this for the audience. Because you guys look for our show. You guys want to hear from us. That shit means the world to us. So that's why to you, Brother Doug, I want you to take a step back and think about what we built here, man. This is what we built from scratch, man. As they say in our hood. We got out of the mud. Man, we started this thing with not a single listener. Man, we got listeners in freaking 80 different countries right now. It's humbling as hell when I get a, a email or we get another DM from somebody that says, oh, man, I just stumbled upon you guys' show. You guys are great. Keep it going. Do you know how good that makes you feel when your work is appreciated? That 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 It makes it all the worthwhile. Like I said, 
There's times when A-Dub and I life, work, other coverage responsibilities that we have. But I tell you one thing, it's those little messages of encouragement. When we get the message from Michael, when we get the message from Heidi, when we'll get the message from Aaron, great show. You guys have no idea how fucking much that means to us. Eric Kermitz, every time he comes to Chicago, he hits us up. And Eric, I do apologize that we did not get to meet up with you, brother, but I promise you it's going to happen. But these relationships that we have built with these listeners, this ain't just about a podcast. This is a family. The Bear Essentials is a family. This is a community. And that's kind of what we were envisioning when we started this thing during the pandemic, A-Dub. We realized Bear's Twitter could be a cesspool. We wanted to bring some fun to Bear's Twitter, and I think we did. The contest, the games, the trivia stuff that we did. We tried to be a solution. We tried to be something on Bears Twitter that was positive. And I think that it was. And I think that's why people rock with us, man. And I think that that's why we have so many loyal listeners because they see that we're trying to be something different. We're not out here trying to be the smartest. We're not trying to talk shit about other podcasters that are doing this thing because I respect everybody that takes the time to pick up a microphone and to do this. We don't, we don't do that. We over here in our own lane, and all that matters to us is putting out quality content and, and making sure that our audience continues to be proud of the work that we put in. That was well said, Prez. And you just made me think about a lot of stuff, you know, and we definitely done with this show. I'm probably going to sit back and reflect. And, man, we put a lot of work into this, bro. You are right. And um, I do appreciate all the loyal, loyal listeners who tune in. There are so many podcasts to choose from when they come down to Bears Nation. And um, I just want to thank them for rocking with us, you know. Um, and it means a lot. We take this very serious. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I am humble and I'm grateful that those individuals who are listening to us are rocking with us. And I thank you so much. We are on the KC. And you know what? We're going to end it by letting the audience share their thoughts on what this show means to them. Hey, yo, it's your guy, Mike. How you guys doing? I'm here to talk a little bit about the Bare Essential Podcast, my friends. As you may or may not know, I live about an hour north of Philly. And I don't want to turn on no sports radio and hear about the Eagles or any of them other teams down there. I only want to hear about the Bears. I am so grateful for the whole podcast community that does Chicago Bears podcasts. And on the Mount Rushmore of that said Chicago Bears podcast, my friend, is the Bear Essential Podcast with present A-Dub. Mount Rushmore, my friends. We're talking Rushmore here. These guys bring positive energy, intelligent takes analysis of the team and what they're going through all year long last year was brutal and we know that it was brutal prez and a dub were just so refreshing their sense of humor they were cracking me up because i felt like jumping off a cliff you know what i'm saying anyway i love the bear central pod i love my guys um I appreciate what you do. Oh, and these young guys, these young podsters, make sure you give us a five-star. You get, Make sure you give us a five-star review. You want a five-star review? Give me a five-star freaking podcast. You know what I'm saying? 
present a dub five star all day long love you guys have a great day peace out bear down and old school here Dappers. hi there guys this is heidi from acapulco i just want to say congratulations on your 200th episode of the bear essentials i love your pod i love you guys you bring lots of content you bring lots of context you are everywhere you cover everything and most of all you are so entertaining hilarious you make me laugh and you teach me a lot i learn a lot with you so congrats again on your 200th episode and this is here's for 200 more bye hey this is your boy aaron i just wanted to say congratulations to the both of you you guys are awesome love the way you guys run your podcast love your reporting you guys make my day every day i'm at work i listen to you and i just play it in my speakers in my truck all day long keep on doing what you're doing and i'll keep listening peace Congratulations to my guys, Prez and A-Dub, with the Bears Essentials podcast on their 200th freaking episode. I've been listening to the show for a long time. I remember the first time I heard the show on my birthday in 2020, right before the season started. That show was fire, and I haven't missed one since. The show is the best place to go for real opinions and no BS. Prez and A-Dub are true superfans and know their stuff. They go to off-season practices, training camp, games. Man, these guys are everywhere. Bringing all the listeners all the latest in real takes, real criticism, and real love. For sure. This show is by far the best Chicago Bears podcast out there. These dudes are honest, and I'm honored that they wanted me to contribute. Thanks, brothers. As always, I appreciate you. Bear down, baby. Happy 200, boys. A-Dub and Press, congratulations on the Bears Essentials Podcast 200th episode. What an amazing accomplishment. I am so proud to be a part of a listening audience from guys that know what they're talking about, have a deep love for the Bears, and they represent each and every episode. You guys tell us the truth, whether we want to hear it or not, and I love you guys for it. Keep doing what you're doing. Again, congratulations. Looking forward to many, many, many more episodes. It's lifelong Bears fanatic Kiko Salazar down in Austin, Texas. And I would like to congratulate A-Dub Prez on their 200th episode. You know, living in Texas my whole life, it's not easy to stay up on Chicago Bears news and updates. But thanks to A-Dub Prez, I'm able to feel like I'm in Chicago. They provide me with all the bear essentials I need. So thanks for all you do. I love y'all's passion for our bears and appreciate your dedication to your craft. I'm honored to be a part of your 200th and look forward to another 200 episodes. So cheers, fellas. Keep up that great work. And let's enjoy kicking some Packers ass during Justin's tenure. Bear down. Hey, fellas, this is Eric. The boys and I want to congratulate you on your 200th episode. Hey, President A-Dub, it's Brady. Congrats on your 200th episode. Hey, President A-Dub, this is Ryan. Congrats on your 200th episode. Thank you all for the support. I'm looking forward to seeing you at Soldier F Field for the Bears this season. Bear, Bear down. down! Hello, 
I just have a quick message for The Bears Essential Podcast. Congratulations on reaching episode 200. Thank you for sharing the news, the joy, the pain and the love of the Chicago Bears to fans all around the world. I appreciate you. Lots of love from Disney Kimmy in the UK. Cheerio. Big Bros! A-Dub! It's your boy Ira, a.k.a. Trubiscuits and Gravy. It's been a minute, but I wanted to throw you guys this well-deserved shout-out. You know, when y'all asked me to do this, the first thing I thought of easily was how much y'all care about the listeners. And out of the hundreds and hundreds of Bears podcasts in the game right now, I don't think there is anybody who cares more about getting their listeners involved. You know, whether it be through different giveaways, contests, or whatever, President A-Dub are always finding creative and interactive ways to keep the listeners involved in the show. And even though they do all the hard work, We as listeners still feel a sense of ownership in the show, and that's truly a credit to them and their hard work and and keeping us all involved, which we really do appreciate. Uh, I know having a podcast myself, how hard it is, you know, there's a lot of time behind the scenes that people don't understand and, and how long it takes to produce and just put out even one episode. So I just wanted to say thank you both, President A-Dub, you know, for always putting on a great show and having me and everyone else a part of the Bear Essentials podcast family. Hopefully, I'll get back on the show to chop it up with y'all real soon. Trubiscus and Gravy out, and of course, bear down, fellas. credit card bill.